Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on and ready to go. Hello, Cosmos Country, and welcome back to another edition of First Team Podcast. I'm your host, John Freshante. On this week's episode, I am joined by New York Cosmos supporter, fellow Cosmos supporter, Jose. Jose joins the show to review the Cosmos season and to look ahead to the future of the club. And before I do get to my conversation with Jose, I do want to make it clear that First Team Podcast does not stand for racism. And you might be sitting there and you might be sitting there listening and saying, well, isn't that a given? Right? But I guess it's not because there has been an incident at this past weekend's match in Cosmos Country in Long Island against FC Baltimore Crystals. The Cosmos were playing a match, a makeup game from the NISA Independent Cup tournament. Uh, FC Baltimore Crystals, they are a team in the MPSL, they are a semi pro team. That match ended in a 2 2 draw. But going back to this racial incident, uh, a member of the Five Points levied racial abuse to a member of FC Baltimore Crystals. I do want to make it clear that First Team Podcast and I do not stand for racism. I think it should be out of the game. I think it should be out of society. And it should not exist in the world today. And I think it's sad that we're having this conversation that people don't understand how serious this is, that they shouldn't be like that, right? People shouldn't make fun of people just because how they look, right? Or what color they are, or their sexuality, or their religion, right? We don't control any of that, and people shouldn't be made fun of uh, because of how they look or what religion they are, you know what I mean? So I guess that's the sad reality of the world right but i guess we need to work and make it a better place uh for all of us to live in and enjoy and i guess that's the whole reason for uh sporting clubs and soccer clubs and to have a better community we need to work harder um to make sure everyone is treating everyone the way they want to be treated so um i hope the cosmos if they can find this person uh, that they do maybe get this person education or um, maybe take some action or whatever against that person because I don't think it's great. It really is not good for the Neurocosmos. I think it paints the Cosmos supporters in a bad light because there has been another media outlet that I will not name. There has been another media outlet and other people on social media that have been um, maybe not attacking Cosmo supporters, but they have maybe been uh, thinking that people accept this type of culture. And I want to make it clear that we don't, right? We don't stand for this. We don't stand for racism. We don't want this at our games, right? This is not what the Cosmo stand for. This is not what NISA stands for. This is not what our supporter groups are there for, right? Our supporter groups are there to support the boys in green and not to shout abuse or racial abuse uh, to anyone right that shouldn't be in the game at all and and once again i don't stand for racism first team podcast 
does not stand for racism. For the record, I was not at the game at Mitchell Athletic Complex because I was last told that fans were not allowed at the stadium. And then you look on social media and you see and you look at the stream and you see that people are at the games. Right? Yeah, of course, people were at the games before during the NISA regular season because they wanted to bang their drums and to provide uh, some atmosphere because the atmosphere was lacking due to no fans being in the stadium because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But now fans are allowed to stand behind the fences at the field there in Long Island. And this is what happens. And once again, this is not the whole picture of the situation. I've been told different things. And if we do have the liberty and the authorization to write something on what actually happened, then we will have it up on firstteampod.com. But I do want to make it clear that we have not been silent on this matter. We will report on it in due time on our website at firstteampod.com. And um, I did mention it on this week's episode of First Team Podcast. So to all those fans out there that are talking bad about the Cosmo supporters, this is not the whole fan base. We are not racist people, right? We are not that. We are very open and uh, we accept everyone, right? That's what New York City is all about. We're a melting pot. We're all together as one, as one city coming together, right? Immigrants, people coming from all across the world, all walks of life coming into the biggest city in the world, the Big Apple. So we are not against anyone. We are not against any religion. And I think that's why it hurts the heart a little bit more because we are the New York Cosmos. We are the New York Cosmopolitans and we accept everyone within our city. So I hope the club does take the proper actions and maybe bans that person from the stadium because again, it's not a good look for the Cosmos, not a good look for the league. And once again, not a good look for Cosmos uh, supporters because I hope that Cosmos fan uh, that was involved in this incident, I hope the Cosmos do take proper action against them. The Cosmos did say that uh, they are working with the five points to identify the individual and take proper actions following this shameful incident. So I guess this is a wait and see type of news story. It is a ever uh, evolving news story and we will stay on top of it and we will keep you posted at firstteampod.com. So here is a statement from the New York Cosmos. Late in yesterday's match, the club was made aware of an incident of racial abuse levied by one of our fans against a member of FC Baltimore Christos. Since the club has been working with the leaders of the five points to identify the individual and take proper actions following this shameful incident, racism has no place in our sport or our club, period. We pride ourselves on being an inclusive and welcoming organization and no person who acts in such a manner is ever welcome at our club and first team podcast and myself i don't stand for racism as well what are your thoughts on this incident because there has been other uh media outlets that have tried to report on this uh but they're not on the ground here in new york city 
Um, yeah, well, you know, thanks for having me on again. Um, it was it was certainly disappointing to hear that this had this had happened. Um, I heard about it after the fact. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, due to some prior obligations, I wasn't able to attend the, the game in person. Mm-hmm. I know there was a there was a contingent from the five points that uh, that went and attended. Um, and apparently that's, um, you know, as the game progressed, um, some, some words were exchanged, um, which really just boiled down to some, some, uh, you know, racist statements made against a, a player on FC Baltimore. Um, and you know, my, my reactions, I, I'm just, I'm shocked. You know, I, I, I've been, I've been hanging around in, in five points for years now, um, you know, to maybe not oversimplify it at the end of the day, you know, Five Points is a, is a collective of a lot of different supporter groups, some from Long Island, some from, from the city, from the five boroughs, um, some, some lean left, some for, uh, lean further left than others. But at the end of the day, we all agree on, on just certain, um, certain overriding beliefs, you know, no racism, no sexism, no homophobia, um, just, just to name a few. And so I was, um, pretty disappointed to hear that that had happened, um, my understanding is just based on on conversations with some members from the Five Points. Uh, there were there were apologies that were, uh, you know, that took place immediately in the aftermath. Uh, but I understand there was um, some conversations uh, that some of the members that were there had with Eric Stober as well. Um, but you know, beyond that, I I can't speculate. I don't you know want to be unfair to anyone or name any any names. But um, I I guess. One thing I would pass along is that um, within the five points, we take this very seriously um, and conversations are are uh, ongoing. Um, and I know that um, some statements have been put out as well. Um, I know that um, people have also been reaching out to uh, to the players on FC Baltimore um, and there's um, just continuing dialogue with them and to understand, uh, you know, our sort of our collective regret about what happened and steps that were uh, going to be taken to make it right and uh, anything and everything we can do, you know, to support uh, support these players uh, on FC Baltimore um, The the Five Points is uh, planning on doing. The one thing I don't understand is that Eric Stover throughout the, the pandemic and since the beginning of the season, he's made it clear that no fans should show up, right? The gates are not open for fans. I think it was from Eric. He was like, if fans show up, then uh, I guess games can't be played or things like that. You know what I mean? Uh, they're mm-hmm. going to risk infecting people possibly. Um, so I think it was shocking to see some fans show up. I know there were some fans over the past couple of months showing up, being in the drums, right? Just trying to have some atmosphere there outside of the gates. Uh, but it looked like... Uh, much more fans than in past games, I guess. Yeah, so this was a similar situation in that the fans were mm-hmm. uh, outside the gate, so outside the facility. Yeah. So what it is is that the the Cosmos, um, you know, at some point in the past, I believe 2012, signed, signed like a 10-year lease with the uh, county, uh, NASA County, to use the Mitchell Athletic Complex for their training facility. So they have a locker room there. They have an office there. They have a uh, they, they use the Mitchell Athletic Complex uh, Stadium, which is a uh, really a, a football stadium that uh, I think has a capacity of about uh, 10,000, 11,000 seats. And that's where the uh, the games were played in 2019 and in 2020. Um, and so that, like being any stadium, has has a has a fence that goes around it. And um, uh, 
um, when the team has played some of the uh, games in the fall. For Nisa, uh, myself, my son, and, and a few of the other Five Point supporters, we went and we stood on the other side of the gate, probably a couple of hundred feet away from where the field is, so we could barely make out what was going on. But just to provide atmosphere, yeah, you know, we we sang and we and we played the drums um, and we did what we could. So now diagonally, just walking distance right across from that um, stadium is where the Cosmos practice field is, and so that's a grass feel that you that you saw on the stream on the Mikuju screen uh, stream and it's surrounded by a, a fence so what I saw on the stream was that there were supporters set up behind one of the goals and there were also I noticed some people sitting along the long end of the field on one side so you know word got out and fans went out there to stand on the other side of the gate uh, so yeah this was probably the closest that the team got to having fans um, there at a game um, the, they were technically not inside the facility, but um, yeah, I know that during the regular season, no one, no one was allowed in to watch any of the games. Yeah, and um, so moving on to our season review here, uh, from my point of view, the Cosmos didn't have a successful season, right? In the in the Nisa Independent Cup, from the Nisa regular season, they weren't crowned the Eastern champions. And we had Danny Satella on the show last week, and he did explain, uh, I guess, why the players were down and not at their top of their game. So what are your thoughts on uh, the unsuccessful campaign this past season? It was, um, again, it was it was disappointing. Um, on, on the one hand, you know, I mean, speaking as a supporter, um to be of two minds on the, on the one hand. Um, it was it was great that the league and that the team were able to have uh, games played and, and have a season um, and, uh, you know, take our mind a little bit o- away from all the different things that are going on in the world, including the pandemic. Um, but, but then on the other hand, to see a team with uh, some really supremely, supreme, supremely talented players who have played on international stages, uh, who have played for the national team, um, and, and players are really, you know, really high caliber, um, not, not, not to leave anyone out, but people like, you know, Danny Satella and, uh, Bloody Bardic and, uh, you know, Sembroni and Agoli, um, and Hassan, people like that, that, that have played, um, you know, all over to have players of that caliber, um, in this new league and not deliver any results um, was was really uh, kind of a head scratcher, right? We just we would dominate possession, um, but we just weren't able to score. And when you look back <clears throat> at the record of the team, um, all from you know 2020, it's it's not good. Um, you know, negative goal differentials, um, losing or or getting games tied in the dying minutes. Um, it's like the opposite of the Cardiac Cosmos, or maybe it's a new version of cardiac cosmos where the heart attack they're giving you is not because they're going to pull it out at the end, but because they're going to break your heart at the end. Um, so, so from a sporting standpoint of view, it was, um, it was, it was hard to see. Um, and, um, you know, we, we just hope that, that the, uh, the, the club understands that, uh, 2021, um, you know, they, they, they got to, they got to do better. They got to they got to refine the magic that uh, that defines a New York Cosmos somehow. Yeah, and for me, that was the most shocking thing is that you can see the talent on the squad, right, for the New York Cosmos right. mm-hmm. international players, and on paper, right, the New York Cosmos 
uh, players and the roster should be much better than the rest of NISA member clubs, right? But it was not that on the field. It was very sad. And I'm still very disappointed. And I do hope that uh, the Cosmos management do understand uh, that changes need to be made. Um, and that's not a controversial thing to say, right? Uh, they work for a sports team. People are going to have their own opinions and they're going to be mad when their favorite team doesn't do well on the field, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, when we touched on this the last time we spoke, but when you when you combine that with the relative radio silence of direct communication between our supporters, collectives and the front office, then that that just that's throwing another log on the fire because then, um, again, human nature is sometimes in, in the silence, in the void. You you let, you let instead of listening to your better angel, right, you kind of let, let the devil on your shoulder get to you and you start questioning things. And then you do start wondering, is anyone committed to the team? Um, meaning, you know, long term, is this a long term project? Um, are, is the owner still really fully invested in the team? What about the, what about the, the you know office management of the team or or why is there um, no marketing um, you know we understand you're not going to have commercials on on TV because what are you going to be advertising no one can come in, into the into the games um, but there hasn't been anything even so far as a you know a newsletter being emailed out or um, um, you know social media engagement has been has been spotty um, I, I I will say though that in in the last few months I've definitely seen a lot more um, involvement um, with between the the team and supporters um, when it when it came to um, you know um, doing some some events collectively um, out in you know out in Brooklyn and in the boroughs um, just supporting uh, you know different different causes. Um, so that is a that is a good thing to see, but uh, more more engagement is is definitely needed. Yeah, and when you touch on uh, the office management team, right? How do the Cosmos currently meet the professional league standards? Because in the PLS, you need to have a certain amount of employees, right? You need to have like a sponsorship person, a ticket person, and these are most likely dozens of employees. And say the Cosmos, let's just say that they have, say, five employees besides their playing staff. That's right. Um, yeah, when when we first heard, or at least when I first heard about a year ago that the team was going to be playing in Nisa, I think the news broke in sometime yeah. in November of 2019. I was really excited to hear because it meant at least that the that the team was going to have to grow a little bit. Um, and they were going to, I mean, we're not worried about financial viability um, or, or things of that nature, but when it when it came to um, the league league office, um, you know, you're supposed to have a league office. You're supposed to have a full time employees of a, a CEO or commissioner. You're supposed to have a publicity, uh, you know, PR person, marketing and sponsorship person, director of officials, a professional registrar, all these different things. Um, some of those are at the at the league level. But what I'm driving at is that, yeah, there's there ought to probably be the better part of 10 to 12 people that are meant to be full-time employees of the team in order for that team to pass professional league standards. So where are these individuals for the Cosmos? Um, it's not it's not clear if they are there or maybe the Cosmos are, um, you know, I, I can't, again, I, I don't know what they're doing. And I will say this is maybe just like, my mind just coming up with things grasping at straws but like maybe they're just um sharing some of that front office capacity with with mediacom right mediacom is a very large company 
um, and maybe they're taking on some of that. Maybe some people are wearing are wearing dual dual role two hats and performing dual roles for both both uh, both companies, be it the Cosmos and MediaCom. But um, yeah, that that's just another another question mark. You know, who are yeah. who are these people and where are they? Yeah, we're just speculating, but yeah, that's that right. probably yeah. is what's going on with Mediacom and the New York Cosmos, of course. Rocco owns Mediacom Communications. So there's nothing wrong if he is pooling his resources and his assets there, but we do want to see the New York Cosmos brand be as strong as possible. So as a Five Points member, Jose, throughout the season or throughout the past season, uh, have you guys communicated with the Cosmos besides your charity work and your outreach for maybe attracting new fans but has there been uh, consistent dialogue with Eric Stover or with uh, other members of the Cosmos management team? or um, Not between myself personally and front office, but I, I do know that some, some members of, of the Five Points have, have reached out mm-hmm. um, and had either you know, phone conversations or, or some exchanges uh, you know, on, on email with, with Eric about, about different things. Um, but, but beyond that, there isn't, um, you know, there isn't anything that's like a standing meeting where we would get together, you know, you know, once, once a season or anything like that with the front office. Um, I know that last year we, and again, COVID-19, it's not, you can't have the same kind of event, but just to take it back to a season ago in early 2019, in March of 2019, there was this great event in Astoria, uh, where uh, Joe, Joe Barone and some of the players uh, came came uh, you know came down and and to um, oh I can't remember the name of the place uh, Astoria Tavern I believe it was and uh, and we had a kickoff and many supporters came and we got to meet players and interact with them and uh, you know Joe gave a, a little speech about the the vision of the team going forward and how we were going going to have it. MPSL uh, Founders Cup and all of this, and there was there was a lot of excitement and a lot of engagement there. Fast forward a year later, we haven't had anything like that uh, with the team going into NISA. Again, I understand we can't do it in person, we can't do it in a bar, um, but you know, there's multiple platforms that one can can do you know video uh, conferencing over. Um, some something like that perhaps would uh, would go part part of the way to improving dialogues between the uh, the front office and the supporters groups. Yeah, and the invitation is always open for a virtual town hall here on First Team Podcast. We're never going to shut anyone down, right? The door is always open, and we give people the platform to speak their mind. I had uh, John Paul Moda on the show, the president right. of the United States Adult Soccer Association. I think it was about a year or two ago, and I was having an argument with him uh, because he thought that people can have pro rel if they want to have it, and he forgot right. that there was a PLS. You know what I mean? So that's right. Um, so I gave that person their time to share and to say what they wanted to say. If it was wrong or right, right, that person has the leverage and has the power to say what they want to say, and. That's what happened on First Team Podcast. So that invitation is out there to the New York Cosmos, to Eric Stover, um, because I do want to hear the future plans, if they do have some, on the club. Or just the short-term plans, right? Because they probably do get scared when the fans ask, what's your long-term plans? Because a long-term plan, like probably no one has long-term plans, right? But 
maybe short term, maybe 2021. Exactly. What's going to happen in 2021? I know because of the pandemic, probably no one knows what's going to happen or most likely people don't know what's going to happen. So they can't really plan. But right. I've been told that the Cosmos wanted to get certain players, but they couldn't get them this past season because of the pandemic, because of the crisis. Uh, maybe people got stuck at their hometown or their home country, right? So mm-hmm. maybe people didn't want to travel to New York City, especially right. if it was the epicenter right. of the virus. Yeah, so, there's many things that yeah. are beyond beyond the control, right? And I, and But I think your point about, yeah, it, it, it's hard you know, I, I always try to put myself in someone else's shoes, right? And it must be hard yeah. to be someone like, like Eric Stover, who's who's uh, the chief operating officer, and be asked many questions of which there's only so much he can say, and he doesn't have a crystal ball any more than any one of us does. Mm-hmm. And so he can say, sure, this is our one-year plan, our three-year plan, our five-year plan. Yeah. Um, but but that said, um, I, I think that, you know, what, what I would be interested in understanding is, sort of the level of the cosmos commitment to this new league nisa right nisa from everything i read they're doing a lot of things to tie up all the all the semi-pro and high level amateur leagues under you know the nisa nation banner which would then um give an opportunity to promote up into nisa division three and then uh, as long as you keep um sort of a cater of teams that are meet the pls division three standards you can then create your own pyramid there which appears to be what's what's happening so um i think you know in the supporters we kind of go back and forth between is nisa it is nisa not it not to take anything away from nisa but you know we remember the, the new nasl with the cosmos and how it was and what that felt like and we want some of that excitement back are we going to be able to recapture that in nisa um and it would be interesting to hear maybe about that one-year plan. Well, you know, we're the Cosmos. We're talking to Nisa. These are the kinds of things we'd like to be uh, year over year if all things go well. Or three years out, we envision a Nisa where we have a fully, you know, fleshed uh, promotion relegation system between, um, you know, Nisa Independent Cup uh, competitive teams and Division, you know, Division Three PLS mm-hmm. Nisa, or 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 just something to, you know, put put. Put something out there in the horizon, something to work towards. And along the way, just communicate and, and say, well, you know, we laid out these plans, but some some things have happened that changed the landscape, and now we're going to do this thing instead. Um, yeah. Just yeah. just communication, right? Just to t- tell us. Tell us something. Because if you keep not telling us much, unfortunately, people have a mm-hmm. bad habit of assuming the worst, embracing for the worst. Um, and it's yep. it's it's hard to uh, to not to not be that way sometimes. Yeah, I think we have that small taste of success, winning trophies in the North American Soccer League, uh, doing very well, having world class players, and now we're being shot down to Division Three, and we got desanctioned back in 2017. So we've really had a very tough roller coaster ride to where we are today. I think it's mainly this. It's like you said, right? We we competed. At, we used to compete on a much higher level, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in the Open Cup, we were regularly beat MLS teams. Mm-hmm. We would make it into the final 16 teams of the over 100 that would enter the uh, the tournament. Um, you know, that's akin to people who follow college basketball, right? The Sweet 16. Hey, you know, you can kind of boast a little bit about your team. Hey, my team is one of 16 left across all levels of soccer in the country in this um, tournament that's over 100 years old. That's 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 a cool thing. Um, but um, so okay, as supporters, as fans, we understand we had a a fall fall from grace, if you will, in in our eyes. 
And okay, fine. So let's let's what is the club doing to get back up and dust itself off? And how are you going to climb the the rungs on the ladder, so to speak, to get yourself back to where you were at least? And by the way, what can we do? You know, what would you like us to do as supporters to help the club achieve that? Right? Because we're eager. We want to do more than show up and stay and 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 stand and you know light off smoke and play the drums and sing um, and and be there early and stay there late. We want to do more than that. What can we do? What can we do to get the Cosmos name out there in the community? And what can we do to help grow the fan base and help people feel that wow, this is this is a club I'm I'm really proud of to follow um, in many many facets. Um, we we want to help. Yeah, that's for sure. And lastly, I do want to touch on uh, Rocco Camiso and his ownership of the New York Cosmos. Um, when he first bought the team, he was saying that he's not here to make money, right? He made his money with Mediacom, and he's going to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. But do you think to a right. certain extent uh, he's losing so much money with the New York Cosmos? And I know a lot of people would be the first one to point out that, well, soccer is not a money-making business. But to a certain point, European soccer, they're at a more sustainable level where right. maybe you can – bring in and they have financial fair play to where you're only able to spend what you bring in, right? So there is this motivation to get more sponsors, try to bring in more revenue so you can spend more money. And to a certain extent, that is sustainable. The wages in Europe are not sustainable, right? When players are on like 50 or over 100 grand a week uh, being the top players, right? But that's not the case here, right? Maybe you can fund a team for say three, four million dollars a year. To us, that's a lot of money. But to Rocco, being a billionaire, that's nothing, right? But then he's funding the lawsuit and things like that. They had to shut down the Cosmos Youth Academy. That was sad. But the problem with that was that uh, the Cosmos were investing. That was a free youth academy in New York City. Rocco was putting his money where his mouth is. Really, Rocco was investing in in all aspects of the New York Cosmos. And then uh, talent was being taken from the New York Cosmos and they were going to the Red Bulls, NYCFC, and the Cosmos because of the United States Soccer Federation not um, paying training compensation fees or transfer fees or just not compensating the Cosmos for training their future talent. It didn't make sense for the New York Cosmos to invest in the youth of New York City, sadly. Yeah, no, I do. I, I remember him making that, that he that he wasn't buying the, the, the team to make money. Um, he said that he did it as a way of uh, that in his in his life, soccer had helped him become who he became. Right. That he, you know, he was 12. Compelling story, immigrant, immigrant story. Right. He was 12, 12 year old boy, moved here from Italy, had to learn English, um, could play the accordion, could play soccer, um, got got into Columbia University on a soccer scholarship due to his uh, his talent in playing the sport um, got got his got a degree went into the business world um, and you know stayed involved in soccer youth coaching uh, you know he had some some uh, uh, run-ins with um, Sunil Gulati I think during his at uh, the youth soccer youth soccer days in the late uh, 70s early uh, early 80s which is kind of interesting foreshadowing right um, and um, and so he bought the cosmos and he said it, it was to give to give back right to give back that he wasn't looking to make money um and and i'll say um sure um i don't 
you know necessarily agree that well you know he's a billionaire he can he can lose some money like i i i i'm not a person to tell someone else how they should or shouldn't spend their money um and you know i'm i'm not going to um you know question people's motivations um i think that um you know in in the case of of rocco if if he could do enough with with the team to be able so that to be so that it kind of sustains itself right so that um through playing at a at a high enough division to have um, the, the right sponsorship so that um, and a big fan base so that it basically starts sort of paying for itself and maybe it breaks even maybe it doesn't make money um, and it breaks even and then that way um, you're able to to pay players and build your own stadium and that based off of the the kind of revenue that's coming in from from having a team controlling your own stadium is a, a very big deal having your own stadium so you don't have to pay a rental fee you can then use that facility for other other events that may be going on, so that that's kind of a a, a big thing. Um, you know, I I always think of um, um, Dennis Crowley, right? Uh, Kingston Stockade. He owns mm-hmm. Kingston Stockade Football Club, mm-hmm. and the way that he operates it, and uh, how he put out that um, sort of a, like a step by step. If you want to start your own soccer club, these are yeah. all different things you have to do on the business side. Um, really invaluable. Um, so there's so there's many ways to do it. Um, I think I think that um, you know it's um, again i just kind of go back go back to the to the disappointment um of the uh, our cosmos um you know never mind the 70s 80s cosmos that were world famous are um just um not 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 living up um for for many different reasons um i understand sure some some of it was luck of the draw with uh coronavirus covid-19 all the challenges in the world today uh, but from a sporting merit standpoint of view, other teams have have uh, have found a way in NISA to uh, to grow. Um, you know, Detroit City and Chattanooga, uh, two that come to mind. They have a uh, fan-owned uh, percentage, um, and they really get a lot of uh, a lot of community engagement, um, particularly in Detroit City. What they did with what they've done with renovating uh, the stadium that that they play in, um, and they they tend to be able to operate um there i don't think anyone's making money off of those teams but they're pulling in enough to to grow a little more methodically and um and and not you know not lose money on the on the whole venture so where there's a will there's a way yeah so if the cosmos and rocco camiso came out tomorrow and said jose uh we're gonna offer the fan base uh, a fan ownership model would you be up for that I do. Mm-hmm. I do think it would work. Um, I, you know, I, I know, I mean, I yeah. know myself and, and you know, probably several, most of us in, yeah. in the supporters collective, we would certainly buy um, at shares um, and, mm-hmm. and to, to, you know, to have to have a little piece, a little piece of the team yeah. um, would, would be great. Um, so I, I, I do think it's worthwhile for, for them yeah. to, to try that. Yep. Hopefully Rocco is listening to this and he changes his mind and wants to have the fans more involved, right? And not uh, and not just uh, buying the tickets and going supporting the team that way, but they're actually putting the money where their mouth is because we stand by the New York Cosmos, right? It doesn't matter if we were playing in, in the NPSL. Fans were still there. People were still exactly. supporting uh, the club. Rocco was still investing in the club. 
And I just want to make it clear that before, I was not trying to knock down Rocco Camiso. I was just trying to say that the Cosmos over time and other professional clubs in U.S. soccer have to run more sustainable. Um, because if they're not, then um, we're going to see some clubs go out of business, which we do see over the next couple of years, which will be really sad, right? Um, right. Right. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we might see even more teams go under because right now, e- right. even with fans in stadiums, uh, clubs are still losing money, right? Right. So just right. picture fans not being in the stadium and right. you don't have that very small revenue stream. Uh, but then on the other side of the argument, most of the players in lower division soccer they're not really on that much money anyway, right? But even in the USL, say twenty, thirty thousand dollars a player, that's still uh, decent money once you start adding it up. Yeah, and I think that um, that that's why it's even more important to have a system that's um, that's an alternative to what's been laid out by U.S. Soccer Federation with the professional league standards. You know, when yeah. professional league standards were thought up of uh, over over twenty years ago, the idea was to um, so that teams wouldn't come in and burn through a lot of money and then not not have um, the backing of a of a wealthy of a wealthy owner that was you know that was part of it um, and over over time unfortunately all kinds of other things have been bolted onto it you know things like market size and uh, number of teams in a given time zone and all of all of these yeah strange notions of how big your stadium should be and all this because it's about the marketing of a product that's supposed to look a certain way on tv and so then that way you could sell to more sponsors or more eyeballs um so it's it's become something that's really the antithesis of what of what soccer is in in pretty much a whole rest of the world which is about meritocracy it's about being the little guy and building up yourself over time um you know you play in a small city and you get the best players and you win the local tournaments and you go on your way up and you could go all the way up to the top and become uh a a champions league champion that remind your division uh one league in your in your country um so so i think you know what i'm getting at is that yeah, COVID nineteen is gonna is gonna definitely take down um, several organizations in in soccer. Several several teams will probably not not make it. Um, I know that people on the PLS side will say, "Well, oh, thank thank goodness we had this you know billionaire owner that was able to get us through." Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really why it's it's imperative for us to have a system where teams can shrink back down and play locally and start growing back up. Um, and and promote up that way and get more eyeballs and more investors along the way. And again, I, it takes me back to NISA. From what I've been able to see, it looks like that's what NISA is doing. NISA is attempting to pair, as a, as a soccer association, right? They're attempting to pair success, successfully run clubs from a sporting and, let's say, small business side uh, and pairing it up with large enough investors so that they can meet that one high hurdle of, 30% ownership of $10 million net worth or more. That is a lot of money. And if they can pair these people up, then they can help them make sure that they have the the right venue with a thousand seats or more and lighting and, and you know, uh, locker rooms and all everything that you need to have and high-speed internet for, for streaming and whatnot. And, and pair them up and help them at least grow to the level of a Division Three PLS but at that point, inside of that, then we can have that promotion relegation and then be an incubator for our players. There's a lot of players that don't get the opportunity in this country to play in, inside the MLS system. It's like you you're either get lucky and get drafted by MLS or, you know, you play in 
college soccer and well enough that maybe you get some interest from teams abroad. But there's, as we saw, right, to single them out because the Cosmos played them, Maryland Bobcats, mm-hmm. FC Baltimore Christos, great teams of, of uh, you know, semi, semi-pro, uh, high-level amateur players. The talent is out there in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think Nisa could, could really help, uh, help that. And I want the Cosmos to be a part of that. And on some level or to tell us, yes, we're going to be a part of this or you know what our our plan a year, three years out is really we're going to help Nisa for a bit, um, get it, get it going. But we can't we don't know what's going to happen beyond that. OK, if that's what it is, that's what it is. As long as there's a cosmos, I'm I'm going to be there, you know, full throated singing, supporting. Yep. Thanks, Jose, for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, John. Thanks to Jose for joining me on this week's episode of First Team Podcast. I really do appreciate it. You can follow First Team Podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at First Team Pod. Please check out our website, firstteampod.com. That is firstteampod.com. We have a brand new website. We have a higher level of content coming out each week. So we are working on some very interesting and exclusive stories. So please Keep it locked on our website, firstteampod.com. That is firstteampod.com. And if you want to join the discussion, please email the show. And that email is firstteampod at gmail.com. That is firstteampod at gmail.com. And I will read out your email on next week's episode of First Team Podcast. That's going to your Cosmos, and hopefully we can have a better year in 2021. I will be back next week with a special guest. And next week, I am joined by the one and only Peter Wilt. So stay tuned for that one. Soccer executive, legendary soccer executive, Peter Wilt, will be on First Team Podcast next week. You can check it out. You can hear uh, the full interview next Tuesday right here on First Team Podcast. So as always, let's go New York Cosmos.